You know, it is amazing sometimes how one word can dramatically alter your course in life. Imagine you're riding down a well-traveled road. Say you're riding down 78 because they're always there. And you'll know what I'm talking about in just a minute. And your passenger says the word police. Does that change the way that you drive? Are you one of those ones that stomps on the brake and makes it obvious that you were in error? Or are you one of those ones that just tries to coast a little bit and hope that nobody notices? And then what do you do? You know, we, we all do this. You're kind of eyeballing that mirror to see if the police officer is coming out after you. So that can change our course. What about when you go through that arduous interview process? Have you done this? And now it's all online, right? You go into a store and say, I'd like a job. And they say, there's a computer. Go fill out an application. But you finally hear that word, hired. Does that change your course? Brings a lot of relief. Maybe excitement, huh? Finally, they have some money to spend. And then one day you're equally distressed to hear the word fired or laid off. What about when you finally get up the nerve to ask? And she says, yes. Changes things, right? What about when you're settling into marriage? You know, you're, you, you got the bath towels in place, you... You, you figured out how to cook. I remember one of the first meals my wife cooked was chili spaghetti. It's still one of my favorites. And you get everything settled. You, you kind of get your dynamics worked out. You, you got your favorite places to eat. You got where you're going to go on vacation. You're settled in your jobs, and then you hear the word pregnant. Changes a lot, doesn't it? Almost immediately. Or what about when you're sitting in the doctor's office, and you hear that one word that everybody's afraid Hear the fear. Everybody fears the word cancer. So one word can change a lot. What if we could harness the power of one word to give us a clear direction for this year? Last week I encouraged you to live your one life for the one Lord. Now we're going to tackle what specifically to focus on. What's going to be your theme for this year? So our goal today is I'm going to lead you in a process of asking God to give you one word from Scripture that will help to mold you like Christ this year. I believe choosing one word from Scripture will help you to focus this year on making the progress that God is desiring for you. Because as we talked about last week, you know, focused intensity over time multiplied by God. Man, it gives you that momentum that you need to move you forward in your life this year. But how can you and I go about choosing just one word? So here's how to see one word. First of all, we need to believe that God speaks. We need to believe that God speaks. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, he created the universe. So the question for you today is, do you believe that God speaks? Do you? You know, there's a lot of us that are comfortable with the idea that God spoke, right? We've got, we've got the Word of God. You know, I'm happy to sit down and read it and learn from it and grow, but God's still speaking. It makes us a little bit uncomfortable. 
And why is that? Maybe you and I have had some experiences with people claiming to speak for God. You know, maybe in your life you had somebody in a real pivotal moment say something about you that made you feel like you're unlovable to God. And if that happened, I'm so sorry. But I know it happens because it's happened to me. It's happened to you. Or somebody speaking for God declares something about you. Something harsh. Something cold. And you feel like you're unlovable to God. Or maybe you've encountered somebody speaking for God who declared something with certainty that didn't actually happen. And so we struggle you know, to know how does God speak? When do we know it's Him? When do we know it's not? So how does God speak? Henry Blackaby says in his famous book, Experiencing God, God speaks by the Holy Spirit, through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and the church, or other believers, to reveal himself, his purposes, in his ways. So I believe, as he said, I agree, these are four essential elements. If we're wanting to hear from God, we're going to need them all. We're going to need the scriptures. We're going to need to be praying and communicating with God, sharing with him and hearing from him, listening to him, setting aside time. We're going to need to pay attention to the circumstances. And we're going to need to be in fellowship with other believers like I was this morning, hearing from God, all of those voices merging together into one voice that's clearly in agreement with his word, and it's from him. So if you're engaging in these four areas, you're in a much better position to hear from God. But the problem is, is that you and I, when life gets going okay, when, when, when the bills are paid, you know, when the kids aren't making such a ruckus, this is what we do. We only engage with the third. You know, we stop reading scripture daily because things are going okay. We're not really praying because, you know, everything's going okay. We don't really need anything from God. So we stop setting aside time to pray. And then we start just kind of coming sporadically to church because, you know, things are going okay. And so we're just tuning into the circumstances. Well, then what happens when life throws you a curveball? When something happens that you didn't see coming, something unexpected flips things upside down, and all you've got is your circumstances. And so when life happens, you and I, are, we're not in a good place to hear from God. You know, we're not reading his word, we're not praying, we're not connected with his body, and life throws us a curveball, and we're in a bad place to hear from God. Because if all we have to go on is our own subjective interpretation of circumstances, or maybe we're getting a little bit of help from Dr. Phil. Maybe we're getting a little bit of help from Oprah or some magazine or some self-help book. It's going to be difficult. You know, what are the chances that we're going to hear what God is trying to communicate? So we're going to need to be engaged in all these areas in order to hear God's voice clearly. Here's an everyday example of what I'm talking about. Understanding the Bible, which is called God's Word, is not as difficult as some people think, but what most people lack is context. Context. Let me give you an example. Tell me who this Bible character is. Rebellion? Judgment? <coughs> fleeing? Jonah? Boat? <laughs> fish? Right? When I start out with just one idea, it's difficult to know who it is, but I go a little bit further and you know exactly who I'm talking about. It's Jonah. Jonah and the, 
What about this one? War. Controversy. Fear. A volunteer. A giant. David. <laughs> right? Immediately you know who I'm talking about. That's David and Goliath. Okay? Now this one's a little bit harder. I'm going I'm to test you a little bit. Okay? Doubt. Proof. Some of your kids. Nails, nails, feeling the nails, scars in the hands. Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas, right. It's a little bit tougher. Your name's after him. But, yes. <laughs> Thanks. It's my middle name, Thomas. David. And I dated a girl named Wendy, so it got a little bit off. Dave Thomas and Wendy. So, we need some content. If you have a little bit of background information, it helps you to understand the things. And it's the same way with understanding hearing from God. Recently, while riding in the car and having an adult conversation with my wife, a voice from the back seat piped up. I'm not going to say which one. It said, I don't really know what you're talking about, Mom and Dad. I need some context. At first, I thought, how do you even know that word? But I need some context, Dad. In other words, if you have some basic background information, if you know who the characters are, if you know what the problem is, if you know what the plot is, and if you know what the solution is, it turns something mysterious into something surprisingly straightforward. So if you want to hear from God and you're plugged in in these areas, then you've got some context for really getting the message. We need some context. But if you and I aren't reading God's word, if we're not reserving time to share with God and listen to God, if we're not spending time with God's people, then circumstances are going to throw us for a loop. We're going to be discouraged. We're going to be confused. We're not going to know which way to turn when life throws us Secondly, we need to ask God to give us one word. Because again, like we talked about last week, it's difficult to know what to focus on. So we need to ask him to give us one word. If we believe that God speaks, let's ask him to give us one word from Scripture to guide us this year. 1 Samuel chapter 3 Verses 8 and 9 says, So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, Go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so Samuel went back to bed. Samuel needed two things in order to hear God's voice. He needed God's persistence. Right? He needed God to keep delivering the message. But he was a young boy. He had very little experience with God. He needed something else. He needed a mentor's assistance. So he needed God's persistence and a mentor's assistance. And it was Eli, the man that he lived there with, the man who had lots of experience with God. When, he, when Samuel woke him up a third time and said, this voice keeps telling me things, I think it's you. Eli recognized what had now become obvious to him, but wasn't obvious to Samuel. God was trying to tell him something. God was trying to communicate with him, and so he instructed him to go back to bed and to respond when God called again. So Eli assisted Samuel so that he might receive the message. You know, I also believe that God wants to communicate with you. He wants to communicate with me. Maybe it's to comfort you. You know, a lot of times when I'm frustrated or I'm, I'm going through something hard, I don't want to hear from anybody. 
I don't want to hear from God. I just kind of put my head down and try to push through that season. But God maybe wants to encourage you, to comfort you. Maybe it's to challenge you or to correct you. But sometimes, you know, you and I might need a little help from our friends in order to hear and understand what God is saying to us. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Now what I want you to notice about this is he says brothers and sisters, and he talks about this access that we have through Christ. You know, in the Old Testament, access was a big issue. There was a temple. Inside the temple, there was a court. Inside the court, there was an, another court. Inside that was the Holy of Holies. And only one person got to go in there one time a year. And if he didn't do his job correctly when he went into the presence of Almighty God, they had a rope attached to his ankle with a bell just in case. They needed to drag him out. So people didn't have access to God. But through Christ, we have direct access. You and I don't need to go through an intermediary to talk to God. We can talk directly to God right now. And as a family member, we have unlimited access. You know, God, to think of it another way, is, as a father, wants us to succeed. But how does God help us in a way that's going to help us grow up? How do we do that? You know, as a parenting, it is challenging to know how to help your children succeed. And kids, just close your ears. I don't want to clue you into these secrets of parenting. You know, it might be. It might not. So now you're leaning in, right? Okay. So as a parent, how do you help your child succeed? Here's some options that are modern day options. One that never works is the absent parent. And nobody's going to advocate for this, not even Dr. Phil. But that's the parent who's just too busy, you know, that they don't make time to spend time with their children. They're just, whenever they're needed, they're just, they're not around. They're not available. They're too busy. The absent parent. The second, though, which can be a bit comical and convicting, is the helicopter parent, you know? Everything that goes on with the child, there's the parent hovering around, you know? Child's in trouble at school, there they go, you know? Child's got a, got a boomer, there they go, you know? Child gets in trouble at work. Parent shows up and chews out the boss, right? This is the helicopter parent. This is becoming very popular now. But I think all of us would agree that a parent, will, even though it's so we want to, if we solve all of our children's problems, if we, if we advise them on every situation, never give them any space, it's going to be difficult for them to grow up and become fully functioning adults. So that's another option. And I'm going somewhere with this. The third option is the guiding parent. So this is a parent that's not absent, right? They're available. They make time for their children. But they're also an empowering parent. They're not smothering the child. But they're leaving some space because the goal is that their child one day will be able to function as an adult and be able to handle life's responsibilities. So this is the guiding parent. And I believe that's what God desires to be for us. 
He's not absent, even though it feels like it sometimes. And with a guiding parent, that can be misunderstood. Hey, mom and dad, I, you know, I need somebody to bail me out. I'm in trouble. I got a ticket. I'm in the slammer. You know, I need you to come help me. And that can be seen as being absent, but it's not. But it's all, God's also not going to be the helicopter parent. He's not going to come fix everything for us and make everything smooth sailing. Because as we talked about this morning in our Sunday school class, it's those hard times where we really grow and we learn to lean and depend on the Lord. You know, when you're young, when we are young, our parents seek us out. And I believe when you first become a Christian, God is very gracious, very patient, very comforting, very encouraging. I've experienced that. I know you have. But as we age, parents move increasingly into a position of counselor. But as such, they know instinctively the wisdom of waiting for the child to seek them out. You know, when I'm going through a hard time now, sometimes I wish my dad would call on me, but he waits. He doesn't want to intrude. He waits for me to call on him. And it's similar with God. When we're young in our faith, we think God's very encouraging. It's a full court press. He's encouraging us to grow. But as we get older in him, he wants to give us some space. He wants us to seek him rather than him seeking out us. So I believe God wants to establish a similar pattern in our lives in order for us to become more like Christ. He wants us to seek him. Because God's goal is not just for us to be blessed by Jesus, to, to respect and admire Christ, to, to think highly of Jesus. He wants us to become like Jesus. God's goal is not just his glory, but his goal is filling our role in his story. God's goal is not just his glory, but filling our role in his story. God has a plan. God has a mission that he is implementing, and he wants to recruit us to be involved. He has a role for you. He has a role for me and mine to serve his purposes. He wants to help us grow up just like we want our children to grow up so we can fully play the role he has in mind for you and for me in his story. So what word is he impressing upon you today that describes the role he wants you to play this year? What is the overarching theme that he wants to be your focus this year? Be thinking about it over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to close this series by having you all write it down, this one word. Now I'm just going to share with you briefly, I've thought about this, and for me, this year my one word is passion. You know, I believe that God's calling me to pursue the things that he's put on my heart and on my mind, the things that bother me, the things that I'm excited about. He wants me to, I feel like in my life, for the last couple of years, I've been a little bit reserved. I've been a little bit suppressed, but he wants me to really open up and go after those things that he's made me passionate about, both the things that I'm excited about and the things that bother me. He wants me to be the solution. So that's my word. And my scripture passage is when Jesus cleared the temple. You remember that? He's turning over tables. I mean, he's really going after it. And he's, he's challenging people for turning his father's house into a market. And, and remember what they said about him? The disciples remembered the scripture that zeal for God's house would consume him. And so I want to be consumed with passion for the Lord's will and for the what is important to God this year. So that's an example. There was a scripture verse, 
And all, all, I chose a similar word, you know, a synonym, passion. But think about that. Pray about that over the next couple of weeks. And then I want you to choose a word that's going to be a theme for this year for you. But also, point three is we need to continue to read God's word. Once he gives you your word, once you have this word in mind for you, it's important to continue to engage with his written word. Again, we must take what we believe God is revealing to us and put it in context. We need to be reading his word. We need to be fellowshipping with other believers. Because what happens when you're out there on your own? Huh? Or the way I think about it is when you go out on a limb, the enemy wants to cut it, saw it off. He wants you to fall. So when you and I get separated and we get emotional, I know men, we don't want to admit this, but we do too. When you're in the middle of, of a trying situation or you're being tempted and, you, and your heart gets involved and your mind gets clouded, but you're out there on your own making decisions, then you end up what I would call taking what I would call misguided detours. Misguided detours. God has a will. God has a plan for your life. And we get so confused and mixed up and we're out here on our own making decisions. And then we take detours off of God's will for us. And we don't do it on purpose. And we do it with good intentions, but we end up with a bunch of messes. One time, this is pre-GPS. We my family was taking a trip up to Indianapolis with my dad. And we were determined. My dad was determined to get off the interstate. And the reason why is we did a traffic jam. As far as we knew, because we couldn't tell, stretched forever. So he got off the interstate, and we were going to find a way around. Well, two hours later, <laughs> two hours later, I don't know that we were any closer to Indianapolis. We'd used up a lot of gasoline. We were all frustrated, and we had not found our way back to the interstate. So that was the definition of a misguided detour. You know, we didn't have a map. We didn't have GPS, so we did our best to go in the direction we felt that we wanted to go. But in the end, we were frustrated. So how many of us end up on these misguided detours simply because we have not sought out God's guidance in context? We're not reading his word. We're not praying. We're not in fellowship with other believers. And then when life throws you a curveball and circumstances blow up, we're confused. We're, we're emotional. We're upset. We're not, we're not in fellowship with people who can see like Eli saw. I mean, he saw what was happening with Samuel so clearly. To Samuel, it would, he, saw some, he experienced something supernatural, but he immediately thought it was something natural. He assumed it was somebody talking to him. He, had, he needed help to realize it was God speaking. And so when we get out on our own and we're not in fellowship and we're not in context, we can have some really misguided detours that have really painful consequences. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You know, the importance of a tool that has seen some action in the hands of a craftsman, it's immeasurable. You ever seen it? Somebody with a well-worn tool doing their craft, doing that thing that they've done thousands of hours before. When I was in Texas, I, used, I was at my friend's house, and he was teaching me how to carve a spoon with just hand-carving hand tools. 
And I'd never done it before. So when I was doing the hand carving of the, of the spoon, it was awkward for me. And I was a little bit slow in my shaping. And I made a little, little extra mix that didn't really belong there. So my efforts were slow and awkward. Have you ever felt slow and awkward when handling the Word of God? Sure. Especially when it's new to you and you're, you're like, how do I find this verse and what is, what is this or that? You don't have context. You don't have a lot of background information. And the Bible seems mysterious and difficult to understand. But how do you make that go away over time? It's exposure. Huh? Just reading it. And it's experience. It's exposure. You know, reading the Word of God. Maybe for the first time, reading a book or a verse or a passage, having somebody explain it to you. But it's also more than just exposure. I mean, a lot of people can read the Word of God, but it's experience, meaning that you have experience applying it. You know, taking a verse, taking a passage, and, and actually applying it to your life, letting it affect the choices that you make. So it's exposure and experience. But the truth is, I think... Early on, we're afraid of exposure because we think it's going to expose us, right? We don't want to have exposure to the Word of God because we might actually have to do something different. We might feel convicted about something. But the more exposure you have and the more experience you have with the Word of God, your attitude changes. And what happens is over time, it becomes like a trusted friend when you're encountering something hard or when you're confused or when you're discouraged. The Word of God, because you've been exposed to it and you have experience with it, it becomes a trusted friend. And if you're in fellowship, then you share this trusted friend with other friends. And you encourage each other. Experience applying God's Word is crucial for you and me. And we're likely going to need assistance to begin with. And so seasoned guides who can help us understand and apply it to our lives are, is very there are a number of you in this audience today that even though you've never shared from a podium, and you never will, <laughs> and you've made it clear, don't ask me to get up, don't ask me to do anything in front of anybody else, but for you, the Word of God, in your hands, without a doubt, you're like a craftsman when it comes to the Word of God. Your insightful comments in Sunday class, even just this morning, reveals you have a wealth of experience. And even though you're never going to preach a sermon, when somebody talks to you, you're like a craftsman. And I'm so grateful that you are. I'm grateful that you've taken the time to be exposed to the Word of God, to gain experience with the Word of God, because it matters. You know, Jesus commands us to be salt. He commands us to be light. And other than enhancing flavor, the other thing that salt does is it preserves something against decay. And when you invest in the Word of God, being exposed to it, have, gaining experience with it, you enlist in the remnant that is preventing moral decay in our society and in our world. We've been in other countries where there's Christians doing the same thing, whether it's Brazil, whether it's China, wherever. There are Christians who are investing in the Word of God. They're praying, they're reading Scripture, they're fellowshipping with other believers. And when circumstances hit them, and they're rough. I mean, there's, there's countries where Christians are still, Iran, where Christians are being martyred daily, weekly, yearly. And so when circumstances hit them, and they have the Word of God, and they have it in context, then they stand firm, and they're a witness to what we all know is true. 
as believers. So when you invest in experiencing the word of God, you enlist in the remnant that guards against the decay of our world, which is the natural result of sin. Final verse today, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So scripture is useful. It's helpful. It's beneficial to us. It's central to our faith and our spiritual life. But there are different ways to read scripture. I want to introduce you to a few this morning in closing. You know, we need to utilize different methods as we mine for gold. Because what it is with the word of God, it's like we're, we're mining for treasure. And there's such valuable truths and principles for living, for, for getting ourselves out of problems and persevering in hard times. And it's like we're mining for gold in the Word of God. If you will mine with me, with each other, and grab those truths and cling to those truths to help you through the stormy seas of life, you won't regret it. So a few different ways. One is to study the Word, you know. I want to understand what it meant. I want to know who, who is Jonah, who, who is Moses. You know, I want to know what it meant so that I can know what it means. I mean, you're studying. You want to know the details. You want to know who, where, what, why, when, how. Study. Another way is devotional. I want to hear from God. Give me a verse. You know, let me read Let me read Psalms. Let me find a verse. Somebody give me a verse so that I, I, want, to, I want God to speak to me. I want to hear from God. That's devotional reading. Another kind of reading is topical. I've got a question, you know, about salvation or about baptism or about forgiveness. I'm going to go to a, it's called a concordance, but you can also just use Google and just say Bible verses relevant to whatever. It's topical. You're pulling verses out so you can understand an issue better. Comfort is another way. I've done this several times this year. In, in a funeral setting, there are certain passages that are well articulated to comfort us in our hardship and our trials. They remind us that, the, that we're just this world is, is temporary and that we're just passing through and that we have a lot to look forward to. And then lastly, exhortation, challenging people to consider both where they are and where they want to be when you've got somebody that you love and you just want them to know, hey, do you realize where you're at? Do you realize where you're headed? And I'm not doing this because I'm being mean and I'm not one of those voices that's saying you're unlovable or you're, you're bad. But let me share this verse with you. Just consider where you're at and where you're headed. And consider where you want to be, where God wants you to be. So the bottom line today is let God's word work in you in context. Reading God's word. Reserving time to pray. Like we said last week, adoring God. The Acts formula. Confessing your sins to God. Thanking God and then putting forth your requests. But also be in fellowship with other believers. That way, when your life circumstances come, you'll be well prepared to hear what God is trying to say to you. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here together with my friends. And we're so grateful for the message that you've shared with us today. May we apply it to our lives and may we um, pursue you, God. May we pursue you in context. May we be prayerful.
careful, God. May we be reading your word. May we be in fellowship with other believers so that when hard times come and when we want to get confused and we want to get emotional and we want to run the wrong way like Jonah did, that you'll be there, God, to speak to us and that we'll be in a position where we can actually hear you, that we won't be so blind and so deaf and so confused and so misdirected, God, that we end up on taking detours that leave us with scars and that leave us with regrets and that leave the people in our lives that are looking to us for leadership confused themselves. Help us, Lord. We realize that this life is a battle. The enemy wants to defeat us. The enemy, if he can't defeat us and take us where he's going, he wants to at least render us ineffective. So we're just crying out to you, God, to help us. It's in Jesus' name I pray.